welcome to part two of this series called Renew. So we're just, uh, we're entering into a new season. And so this series, I'll tell you a little bit about it as we keep on going. Uh, go ahead and grab out something to take notes if you haven't already. We believe in taking notes as a church because we believe God will speak to us in these moments we have uh, together. Let me just set the stage for a moment. Obviously, things are going to be a little bit different for the next few weeks. I don't know how long it will last. Um, there's guidelines and things that we're going to continue to adhere to um, as a church uh, and in our meetings. Uh, the guidelines have asked us not to open the kids' areas for a few more weeks at least, and so uh, we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, but for the meantime, right, it is a new kind of normal for us as a church. All the families will be in here together. Uh, it's just an incredible thing. I, I think it's awesome that we have kids' ministry. I think it's awesome when the families can be together uh, during worship. Both are good. Both have their benefits. Uh, and so I just want to kind of warn a few of you guys, uh, if you're uh, a little stodgy or reserved or thing. It's going to be a little different in here, all right? I know usually it's pretty quiet. You adults are not really a raucous bunch, but it's going to be a little bit different with the kids. We are so honored to have them. We're going back to tent ministry, all right? If you've never been in a mission field type of service or revival tent type stuff, kids run all over the place, in and out, just having fun, uh, doing their thing. So it will not distract me if your kids are wild and crazy, all right? If you, especially you moms, if you're nervous right now, like everybody's looking at you, we're not, all right? Now, I know all of you were perfect little angels when you were three and four and five years old. It's always fun to talk to somebody, right, who remembers themselves as a perfect angel. Like, I sat, I sat so still in church, and I never made a bunch of liars is what you all are, all right, you guys? We know it. So it's not going to bother me a bit if the kids are, are wild and crazy. It's not going to. It might throw me off. If it is, I'll get right back on, all right? So I just want to encourage the rest of you guys. Uh, let's just enjoy this season. Uh, let's just enjoy this time together. I believe God is going to speak to us. Uh, I just remind you, they do have those activities and things. If your kid likes to color and do those things, we'd love to provide that for you. Um, just our gift to you guys. But we're just going to have an incredible time just experiencing the presence of God together. Amen, everybody. All right. You guys ready to get started? All right, let's, let's jump into it. We've been in a series called Renew because I truly believe that we're coming to the other side of this series or this other side of this season as a church. We're coming to the other side of this thing, and I hope you believe that as well, that we're moving into a new season. And oftentimes, when you come out of a season uh, and you move into something new, a lot of times, uh, some things will fall by the wayside, and some things will have grown stale, and some things just need to be renewed. And so we're doing this series, we're talking about different areas of our life that maybe we neglected during these last three months. I don't know about you, but maybe I neglected during these last uh, three months in these different areas of our lives. And so we started last week with being renewed spiritually with having a reboot in our spiritual life, because that's the most important of all, is our relationship with God, our relationship with Him. And if that's not right, nothing else matters. Nothing else can be set right. But this week, I want to talk about being rebooted emotionally. I want to talk about rebooting our emotional life, because there is an emotional toll that comes with walking through a crisis or several crises. There's, there's an emotional toll that gets taken on us. All you moms who had to homeschool for the first time ever in your life, you know there's an emotional toll that comes with a crisis. Right, And I know your kids are sitting next to you. You can still say amen. All right, they, They'll be okay if you say amen. So the reality is it's a difficult season that we've come through. And what the devil is trying to do is get people isolated, get people apart, get people ready for an attack. And the devil is trying to bring that attack onto our families. He's trying to bring that attack into our lives. When we get into seasons like this is when we have to have our guard up the most. And it feels completely like we've tapped out all of our energy. When we take an emotional crisis like this or there's something that happens, it taps your energy. You feel like you can't even have the energy to live the life God has called you to live. You feel like you're not able to do what God has called you to do. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today, and Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount. 
And what I want to do is kind of walk through verses 25 to verse 32, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to look at the different aspects that Jesus talks about, what worry will do to our lives. Because when we have this emotional toll that's taken on our lives, when we have that, that worry that tries to creep in and take a hold of our hearts... Oftentimes, we go back to the words of Jesus, and we remind ourselves what he said, what worry does. And then I want to spend the next half of the sermon talking about the things he says that we can use to practically get worry out of our lives, that we can use to reboot emotionally. We can get back to the place where we don't lose energy, where we feel like we can live the life God has called us to live. All right, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than than clothes. And so Jesus begins this discussion talking about food and talking about clothes. And if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to see out of this lesson is that worry is unreasonable. It's unreasonable to have worry in our life. Worry is honestly unreasonable because he's saying, look, you got to take a step back from all of these things. You got to take a step back from all the things that you would normally be caught up in. You got to get out of the weeds on this issue. And you got to realize that you should not worry about the clothes. You should not worry about these things because you got to see that your life is bigger than what you wear. Your life is bigger than what you eat. And so many times we kind of point fingers at those in the Bible where we say, well, how could they not understand that their life is bigger? But we do the same thing. So many times we get caught in the weeds of life where we get caught on the small things and we forget that our life is so much bigger than those things that we constantly worry about. And honestly, we take small issues and we take small things like that and we blow them way out of proportion. We take things that may never even happen and we blow them way out of proportion. It's why I'm convinced, by the way, at the beginning of this pandemic, that when there were several things that we could be thinking about and planning for, and all of y'all ran out and bought all the toilet paper. Because there was this rumor going around, right, that there would never be toilet paper again in our lifetime. And so all of you went and stocked up big sea cans and big, you know, trailers full of toilet paper and hauled them off. And I don't know when or how they restock them, but they did. And then you went and bought them all again. Come on, somebody. It was just, we took this thing that was not an issue and we made it something. Something that probably would not, y'all know you can live without toilet paper, right? Come on, somebody. Somebody, you can amen that. I'll preach all by itself. Y'all can live. All the stuff, all the food was still in stock, right? All the, all the important stuff. Shells were full. It was all good. But toilet, I don't know why toilet paper. I don't know. But it was irrational. It was an irrational fear we had. And so everybody bought every piece of toilet paper in the world. Everybody got freaked out because worry is unreasonable. It takes these things that might be a rumor or a lie. It takes those things and it blows it out of proportion. And it ruins our life thinking about this thing that may never happen. It's unreasonable. Verse 26, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jot it down if you're taking notes. Worry is unnatural. Worry is unnatural. God did not create us to live in that state, so it's unnatural. So every part of God's creation, every other part, I should say, besides humanity, trusts in God's provision to feed them. Every other part of creation trusts in God's provision. You ever think about that? A few weeks ago, I told you about the squirrel and bird population in my yard. And so it's now a line item on my budget, squirrel food. Like there is a, there is a line item for that that we're feeding. There's 30 little woodland creatures that I am God's provision for, all right? I am, I am the plan he has set in place, and I'm just going to accept that. But all of God's creation trusts in his provision. Animals aren't worried about the stock market. Animals aren't worried about six months from now where food is going to come from. Every other animal trusts in God's provision. And there are systems and provision God has in place for us 
The Bible is very clear about that, that God will meet our needs. And so there is a provision for us. And when we exist in his plan and in his provision, he meets our needs. But so oftentimes we let worry drag us out of that place of comfort. We let worry drag us out of the system and the places God has for us. We let it take it away from his provision. God didn't create his creation to live in a state of stress and worry. You think all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they weren't worried about where their food was going to come from. They weren't worried about where their needs were going to be met. They just existed in the garden. All of this came about as a part of the fall. You look at this, it's not a natural thing. And so this unnatural part that came about as part of the fall, we have to look through the lens of saying, okay, God didn't create that in us. We have to look through the lens of saying God has provision for us. God has our needs met. We talked about this last week, that he is the shepherd. He is the shepherd that wants to meet our needs. He is the shepherd that loves and protects. The Bible is full of promises that God has made to us as his children that God has placed inside of us. And so we have to begin to live this life and begin to trust in him instead of trusting in ourselves. And you look at your kids, when, they, when they're first born, there is no worry or stress. Come on, they learn it a lot earlier nowadays, by the way, and that's a whole sermon to itself. But you look at your kids when they're first born, they're not worried and stressed about anything. Why? Because mom and dad are going to make everything all right. My, our youngest, Hava, she's two years old, and she's a little bit crazy, to be honest with you. She's just a little bit, she's just, she's just nuts, all right? And I love her for it. It's just her, part of her personality. But she's just the type, she doesn't need the parachute, she just jumps, She's just there, right? If you, if you have something wild and crazy, she's on board, and she likes to do that. If we're in the kitchen and we hear a thump from the bedroom, it's Hava, all right? It's her. She hits something. She jumped off something, and we just wait for like a two-second cry, and then she's jumping off something else. It's just an amazing, and I, I admire her for it, but you've got to watch her really, really closely, all right? That's just, you just, you learn with your children which ones you have to put both eyes on. And which ones are going to be just okay by themselves. But we, we love how, and even at the pool, like she just wants to jump in and she can't swim. She just loves, but she exists in this bubble of mom and dad are going to save me. Like it doesn't matter what I jump off of. It doesn't matter what I, and honestly, it's a little bit misplaced faith to be honest with you, but I'm not going to tell her that. But she's just ready. Like she'll jump even if I'm not looking or I don't even know she's jumping. Like she'll catch me if I don't catch her. She's got like a Spider-Man thing going on, right? She just grabs on. But she just lives in that existence of Dad will make it all right. He's going to catch me. He's going to be sure that I'm safe. He's going to make sure that everything is all right. And we have to get back to that lens of seeing our Heavenly Father in the same way. That worry is unnatural. That our Heavenly Father cares for us. That He's got this. That He's got this in His hand. Verse 27, He says, Who of you, watch this, this is my favorite, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Jot it down if you're taking notes. Worry is unhelpful. Worry is unhelpful. Jesus is making the point, what good have you ever accomplished by worrying? What good have you ever added to your life by worrying? You look back over the years of your life, what good did you ever do by worrying? What good ever came into your life by worrying? You say, well, wow, Bill is so patient and loving and kind. He must really be stressed out. Said no one ever, right? Like that's not, it's not a byproduct. You say, like your first response to being stressed, you say the byproduct of that is not that I suddenly become loving and patient and kind and compassionate and I care about the needs of others. No, what happens when you get stressed? You become irritable, right? You fly off the handle all the time. What happens, there's some physical implications where high blood pressure and depression and anxiety, all these things come as a byproduct of worry, but worry is never helpful. Worry takes from your life. There's negative impacts. You never hear about a major company where they interview them and say, when did you innovate? When, would, when was the turning point for your company where they say, well, we were just sitting around the boardroom one day, 
And we were just super stressed and like we just, we just hit that level of stress and then we began to be creative and begin to innovate. And that's, that's when the turning, you never hear that. That's not when it happens. Worry always takes from you. Never adds positive. So Jesus said there's never a moment, and I love this verse because he says there's never a moment where God looks down from heaven and says, hey, that person is so stressed, let's give them another hour. Like another hour to their day, just add one. I just think they're so stressed that they need a, like have you ever prayed that prayer where you say, I could change the world if I had eight days, if I just had nine days, if I just had, you can't add an hour. Worry never takes, I mean, worry never gives to your life where it only takes. And so in our lives, when we think about this, when we think we want to add value to the world around us, we want to reach out with the love of Christ, you can't do that if worry is stealing it from you. If worry is taking things from you, Corey Tin Boone said it this way, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. And that's the truth. We're thinking about the future constantly. We're always trying to think about it, trying to plan for it. We're trying to control it, and we find ourselves paralyzed by the worry we have for it, and we lose all good that we could be in the today, in the moment. We lose the good that we could be. Worry only steals from us. We get to the place where we're of no earthly good because worry steals from us. Verse number 30, he says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, and he's talking about Solomon and all his glory, and he's saying he clothes the lilies of the field as that. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The last thing I want you to see here is that worry obviously is unnecessary. Worry is unnecessary. It's unhelpful, but it's unnecessary. It's an unnecessary part of life. And the reason why we struggle with this is because of this little phrase Jesus says at the end of the verse, O you of little faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel personally attacked in this verse. So I don't know. You guys are fine, all right? You guys are, are just floating along just fine. But I feel attacked in this verse. But the reason why we worry in life is because we are trying to take the place of God in our own lives. Reason why we worry in life is we are trying to stay in control of the universe. We are trying to take back control sometimes of things in our life. And we, we worry about things that we can't control. I don't know if it's news for you, but there's a lot of things you can't control. There's a lot of things in this world you can't. There's more things you can't control than you can. But so many times we want to be the controller of the universe. We want to be the God of our lives. And so worry creeps in. And it begins to attack our lives. And ultimately, in our day-to-day -day lives, worry reveals the areas that we trust God the least. Worry will reveal areas in your life where we don't trust him at all. When there's worry in an area, oftentimes in my own life, I have to look at that area and say, is it because I'm not trusting God in that area? Is that why worry is allowed to creep in? It's why Jesus is saying, look, there's these things that you're worried about impacting your life and some things, and you have to come to terms with the fact that we are in a place where we trust God. We're in a place where we have to put our cares upon him. And if there's too much worry in our lives, oftentimes we have to reevaluate if our trust in him is where it should be. There are tons of promises in the Bible about God's character and God's love for us and what God has promised to us in our lives. And so if we call ourselves Christ's followers, it's amazing to me that as Christians and as those of us listening online or in the room as Christ followers who identify as Christians, it's amazing to me that we trust him so much with our eternity that we put all our faith in him in our eternity, and yet we can't trust him with our day-to-day -day lives. Now, I, I would tell you today that I, whether it's five minutes from right now, which would be bad because it would be traumatic for all of you, or whether it's 50 years from now, which would be good for all of us, the day that I step into eternity, 
I'm not worried about that step at all because I know that Jesus has paid the price for my sins on the cross. I know the price is paid already. I know where I'm going. I know where my eternity is secure. I'm ready. I don't even think about it. I probably should think about mortality and and health and different things like that a little bit more. But honestly, it's not even a thought that crosses my mind because I know what that next step is. And I would bet that most of you who call yourself Christ followers are in the same place. Most of you know where your eternity is secure. And we trust him with that. But most of us would share that faith. But isn't it crazy? We trust him with our eternity, but we can't trust him with tomorrow. We can't trust him with our day-to-day lives. We can't put that in his hands. But we'll trust him with the eternity. And I feel like sometimes God is looking down like, are you kidding me? Like, that's what you're worried about? Like, what about your eternal destination? Like, that's, that's more important. Like, how can you be worried with these little things? And he's looking at those things that we, we make such big deals in our lives. And we worry and we worry and we say, Lord, I know when I slip from this life to the next, somehow you'll take me to heaven. I, I trust that. I believe that. But I, I just don't know if you can handle what's coming tomorrow. Like, I just don't know, God. You know they're laying people off at work. Like, you know that, right, God? Like, there's, there's chaos in the world, God. You know that, right? And so I don't know if I can trust you with all of that, but I can trust you with eternity. I believe that you can do that. And so i got to really figure out these things in my own life because I can't trust God about it. And so I've got to figure out my own stress, and i got to figure out my own reality, and i got to control things in my life. Like, I think sometimes God just looks at us and says, why are you worried about the wrong things? We should not worry at all. Put it in his hands. And so I just would encourage you today, we get all wrapped up in anxiety. And we try to figure out this life and we try to control every factor. We try to control every gear and every relationship and every input into our lives. And we ask and we run and we say, what's going to happen tomorrow? And what's going to happen in my life today? And, and what will happen a week from now? And I just want to encourage you today, if this is encouragement, is nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody knows what's going to happen next week. Honestly, it's like being a weatherman in Louisiana. Come on, somebody. It's, nobody knows. Like, is it going to rain tomorrow? I don't know. Is it going to? It's, it's, God bless all the weathermen, all right? But it's the only job where you can be wrong 100% of the time and keep your job. It's just the only, only place in there. But nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows what life will look like two or three weeks from now, but God does. Nobody knows, but God does. God knows what will happen, and we have to get to a place in our lives where we actually let him be God, and we are not. And the sooner we get to that place, the sooner we get ourselves in a place where we trust him as God, and we know that we are not commander of the universe, the better off you and I are going to be. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, memorize this verse if you haven't. It says, cast all your anxiety. Another translation says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. That word cast literally means to shift the weight. From you to God. To take the weight that's been bearing down on you and shift it over to God. To say, I resign as ruler of the universe and Lord, I'm giving it over to you. Cast all of your anxiety on him. And God's up in heaven going, I can handle that. That's not a big deal to me. Honestly, it's like, have you ever seen your kids drag like a bucket of sand or try to drag a chair across the house, right? And they're like bent over in two because it's so heavy. And you're like, listen, I can pick that up for you. Like, I, you, can keep dra- you can keep letting it hurt you like that and drag across. The- I can pick it up because you are so much bigger, right, and stronger than your tiny children. Like, I feel like that is the picture we need to get of God. And he's like, hey, I, I can take that from you if you'd like to put it on me. I mean, you can keep killing yourself trying to carry that thing, but I can take it. But the Bible says we need to cast our anxiety, our cares on him. Honestly, it's like this yo-yo that I bought, right? Thank God Amazon two-day shipping is back working again. Come on, somebody. That's... That's just, that's, that's theology right there, all right? But I bought this yo-yo for it because honestly, I think a lot of times as Christians, we get into a place 
where we read verses like this. We get into a place where we read the Bible and we read verses and we hear messages like this and we know, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to cast my anxiety on him. And we say, okay, God, yeah, I'm, I'm going to cast my, my, my worries and I'm going to cast the things in my life. I'm going to trust you, God. And we say, yeah, God, I trust you with my marriage. But then we say, well, I don't know. You know, I, I, I got to stress out a little bit about it. I don't know if God's really watching right now. And so I got I to try to work some things out in my own power. And then we say, well, yeah, God, well, I trust you with my job, but, you know, I don't know if you're really watching, Lord. I don't know if, if you really understand what's going on at the business. And we say, well, Lord, I trust you with my career, but I don't know, you know, if, if you really have my best interest in mind. And so often we cast our cares, but then a day or two later, we take them right back. Some of y'all didn't know I could yo-yo. Some of you aren't even like, you're not even listening to what I'm saying, right? Like, I got tricks here. Come on, somebody. Come on. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Now that you'll cheer for. Where's my amen button? I need my amen. Now, I broke the string before service, and so if it comes flying at you at 100 miles an hour, I just apologize ahead of time. But so many times we read verses, and we, we cast our cares on him, and then we take them, right? We're yo-yo Christians. Come on, somebody. Put that on your fridge. We'll cast our cares on him, but we won't really trust him. We take it right back. We take it right back in our lives. It's so many times God is looking at us saying, cast your cares. And so I want to take this last half of the sermon, and I want to just focus on some practical things Jesus gives us so that we can actually shift the weight and keep it there. That we can actually in our lives put the weight and put the cares and the worries that we have, the anxiety that has gripped our hearts, we can put that on him and leave it there. Just some practical things for you. We'll go back to our text, Matthew chapter 6. Verse 31, he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? This is what you do. He says, when you worry, what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you already need them. First thing we're going to have to do, if we're going to get this worry off of us, if we're going to live the life Jesus has called us to live, first thing you have to do is refocus your thoughts. Have to refocus our thoughts. Let me give you three things, all right? First one is refocus our thoughts, because the Bible is very clear about the things that we should think about. The Bible is very clear about the things that we should meditate on, the things that we should let run through our minds, the things that we should be thinking about that hour before we go to sleep, the things that we should wake up with our minds focused on. And so if we're going to come out of this season and we're going to have a reboot emotionally, if we're going to begin to seek God for who he is, first thing we have to do is refocus our thoughts. He said, this is what you say, what should we eat and what should we wear and what are we going to drink? All these things are temporal things. He said, that's what you're actually thinking about. And Jesus is saying, that's what the pagans are obsessed with. Because so many times we are thinking about those things and we try to process it. We think about what are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? What are we going to do? We try to process it. And then we're processing it with our spouse. And then we're processing it with the kids in the car. And then we're processing it at work. And God forbid we're processing it on Facebook, right? And we're getting some input. And we're going back and forth with some worldly idea. And we're letting this thing kind of mix back and forth. And it's all we're focused on. Become obsessed with it. We become obsessed with the wrong things, with the temporal things. That's what that word run is, that the pagans, it's what they do. They run after those things. It's the word he uses. And we run after those things, and it consumes our lives. What clothes are you going to wear? What, what restaurant are you going to eat at? What home do you live in? What car do you drive? What golf club are you a part of? It begins to consume our lives. The Bible says the world focuses only on that. Jesus is saying, don't let that be what creeps in and takes over your thoughts. Don't let that be the thing that you're constantly talking about. And then he reminds us that the Father already knows that you have needs. Father already knows what you need. He's already the provider of your life. 
And so we can't become worried or bogged down because if we don't refocus our thoughts, anxiety and worry will take them over. They'll take them over and you'll begin to live in a place where all you are, you're like the pagans running after those things. If you just listen to me for just a moment, I, I would just beg with you. And I'm not speaking of this from some high horse. I, I struggle with this too, but we as a church, we need to refocus our thoughts. We need to not let constantly coming out of our mouth be ideas about the temporal, about what we, we want to gain or about what we need and what we think we need. We got to refocus our thoughts. We got to get them back on him. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 7. I love this verse because it talks a little bit about this, this idea of not knowing the future and not even being able to predict anything. But it says, since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? Come on, put that on your Facebook wall, somebody. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? I want you to get this thought in your mind this morning as we go through these three ideas that nobody knows the future. No one knows what's going to come next. The president doesn't know. CNN doesn't know. Facebook, God forbid, doesn't know. Nobody knows the future. So you don't have to wait 24 hours of your life, 24-7, watching the cable news network, thinking they're going to have some breakthrough to tell you what's coming next because they don't know. Nobody knows. I don't know. They don't know. If anybody tells you that they know, run from that person because they're either willfully ignorant or they're lying to you, right? But you just, nobody knows what's going to come next. Nobody knows the future. And so if we refocus our thought life from constantly focusing on all these people who don't know, we focus it back on what the Bible tells us to think about. Philippians chapter 4 gives us the litmus test of how we can shift our thoughts, what we should be thinking about. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, worthy, think about such things. Amen. Now, I want you to jot this down if you're taking notes today because these are tangible things that we can think about. This is not some pie in the sky, some high idea. It's not bad to be philosophical about your life and to dream about the future and what God wants you to do. It's not bad to do those things, but these are tangible things to think about right now. It says, whatever things that are true, that's not what things that might happen. That's not things that other people say are going to happen. That's not things that are six months and a year, whatever. That's not those things, those things that might never happen. It says whatever things are actually true, think about those things. Whatever things are right, whatever things are noble, whatever things are worthy of praise. So instead of thinking about all these things that might never materialize, he said think about the things that are true. Refocus our thoughts. Refocus our thoughts. Verse 33, Matthew chapter 6, he says, seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Number two, jot it down if you're taking notes. We've got to refocus our energy. The energy that we're expending, the, the, the life that we're living, all these things that we're putting all of our effort for, we've got to refocus. We're going to get worry and anxiety out of our life. Why? Because the world is running after the temporal. The world is wasting all of their energy going after the things that don't matter. And God's thinking, you're, you're thinking about those things. You're focused like the world. And it's so easy to get pulled into making that the focus. It's so easy to slip, church. To slip into that and to, to begin to change your focus. And you don't even realize sometimes when it's shifted. And God is saying, you're spending all of your energy thinking about the temporal. Your life is pursuing all of that. That should not be for us. That should not be how we live our lives. No, we've got to shift our thinking Think about the fact God already knows what we need, and then we got to shift our energy. we got to focus on the things that he wants us to do. And so I'm going to follow God's word. I'm not going to let my emotions or my energy be zapped by all these things that don't really matter. 
I'm going to begin to focus on the things that he tells me to focus on. I'm going to begin to change the way that I spend my life. Because so many times we're running around and we're not seeking his kingdom. We're not seeking his righteousness. We're seeking all the things the world tells us we need to be seeking. And he says we need to seek his righteousness and his kingdom. He said, well, what is that? We have to focus on what God has called us to do. It's the Great Commission. So many times we, we try to make it too, uh, too complicated. And we try to say, well, there's so many things, and so I'm just going to do a few of them. And do, no, no, God has called us to spread the gospel. I don't care what walk of life you find yourself in. I don't care where in this world you find yourself, what group of people. God has called us to shed the gospel and just begin to spread it in all the world and to share it with those who are close to us and begin to spread the love of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to do. We're fulfill the great commission, but too often times what stopped us is we're full of worry and we're full of anxiety. And if I could finish today, I would tell you it's because we're looking internally. See, so often we're, we're full of worry and we're full of anxiety and we're full of fear because we're internally focused. But the great commission is all about others. But when we become selfishly focused, that's when fear has a chance to work itself in. If we think of others we spend our energy reaching others, the Great Commission, so often worry will drop off because it has no place when we're thinking about others. Fear has no place when our minds are always focused on where can I share the gospel next? How can I share the love that Christ has given me? So as we begin to emerge from this lockdown and we begin to emerge from the pandemic and from this crisis, I can tell you the world has never needed the church more. That we need to be serving, we need to be loving, we need to be spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we come out of this, this season, as we begin, to, we begin to come out and we begin to, to live our lives again, before we get caught up with the kids' sports and we get caught up with going back to work and we get caught up with all the different activities and all the things that are fine to do, but honestly, at the end of the day, don't matter. We need to reevaluate and begin to think, okay, where am I supposed to be focusing my energies? Where am I supposed to be focusing my life? I'm telling you, it will radically change your life. When you begin to focus on others, when you make the world more about than just yourself, it will change the way that you live. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says it this way. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. Come on, somebody. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace. Amen. Which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. So we refocus our energy, refocus our thoughts. We get to the place where we say, God, I resign as ruler of the universe. I put this in your hands. Begin to pray. Begin to seek his face. Begin to say, God, this is what I'm wrestling with, but I place it in your hands. I don't take it back. I'm going to focus my energy on spreading the gospel on others instead of on myself. And then verse 34, he says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. At the end of the day, number three, we have to refocus our whole lives. We have to refocus our thoughts. We have to refocus our energy where we're putting our efforts towards, but then we have to refocus our entire lives because it's so easy to get caught in focusing on the wrong things. And if we come out of nothing else, if we come out of this season, it should be with the clarity of what actually matters. We've gone through these three months. If we come out of this with nothing else, it should be a clarity about what matters in this life and what doesn't. And I would encourage you, church, don't lose that. As we kind of get swamped in the things that are going to attack us again and the things that are coming back on our life as we begin to reopen, don't lose that clarity you had about what matters in this life. 
If I could just speak to you for just a minute, church. The world is hurting. The world is broken. It's full of people who are crying out. It's full of people who are hurting. It's full of people who need light. We talked about that during the worship service. And even in these last two weeks, we've seen this, where the world is reeling just from this dark spirit of racism and this this idea of injustice. The world is hurting, and it needs us. God has placed us as light in this world, not that we're great at anything, but that he is great and that we need to share the love of Christ. We need to begin to speak for those who have no voice. We need to begin to cry out. We need to begin to be the light of Christ and say that there is no other answer but him. I don't care what other answer people put forward, there is no answer but Jesus. There is no other solution but Jesus. So before all of these other cares of the world begin to come in and try to choke you out, before all these other thorns try to grow up and try try to take you from that place in his will, before all of that tries to creep back in, we need to reevaluate, we need to refocus our lives, we need to say what really matters. Because eternity matters. And so as a church, we need to leverage every gift and every resource that we have and every, everything that God has given us. We need to leverage everything we can to impact eternity. We only have a few short years here on this earth. No matter how many we have left, we need to leverage them to impact eternity because there are souls and there are lives that hang in the balance. There are lives right now that are headed for a Christless eternity and their lives hang in the balance based on our obedience to him. And so church, if I could beg you, if nothing else, if you hear nothing else this morning, it's that we need to refocus our lives and begin to focus on spreading the gospel, begin to realize what matters in this life, what really matters. See, the devil would love for you to be selfishly focused. He would love for you to get to the place where you're selfishly and internally focused because that's where fear comes in. He would love for you to say, okay, what do I need to do to get mine? What do I need to do to make sure that I elevate myself? What do I need to do to reach that next rung of the social ladder? And you lose focus of what really matters in this life. He wants to get you isolated, church. I think so often, do it weekly if not daily, we need to take inventory and think, what should I be thinking about? What should I be focusing on? Where should my energy be going? Begin to take inventory. Because my prayer is that on the other side of this, that as a church, we're leveraging everything we have, every gift we have, every resource we have to spread the gospel, to build his kingdom. And if you'll live that life, if you'll join us in that journey, I promise you worry and anxiety and depression and fear, they'll drop off your life because they have no place. They have no place in your life. When you follow after him and you say, okay, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Okay, God, focus my life on what really matters. I promise you, church, it's at that place you'll begin to live the life that God has called you to live. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Whether you're in the room or you're watching online, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to pray over us. Before we go today, I just want to pray a prayer that God would give us the strength. That God would give us the clarity. That God would begin to rest on our lives again. That we would begin to live lives that are pleasing to him. And so, Father, I pray right now for this church. 
for every person, God, watching online or here in the room, God, that you would begin to give us strength to live this life, that we could refocus our energy, we could refocus our thoughts, we could place them on you, we could refocus our lives, we could care again about what really matters. Lord, for those of us who once cared so deeply, God, but our love has grown cold, Father, bring us back. Open our eyes again to see injustice. Open our eyes again to see the hurting. Open our eyes again to the harvest, God. Refocus our lives. And church, this morning, there's some of you who have come today, or maybe you tuned in and you thought it was by accident, but you find yourself far from God. I just want to speak to you for just a minute. And I don't know how you found yourself where you are. I don't know. There's, there's a million ways that people run. And maybe you were hurt at one time in your life by an authority figure or maybe even someone in the church. Or maybe you felt like God wasn't there and so you pushed him away. But you find yourself far from him today. I just want to pray for you. I want you to know that he's not mad at you. He's not looking to get even with you. God loves you and he wants to rescue you. And so if that's you today and you feel like God is a million miles away, but you say, today is my day. I want to come home. I want to have him rescue me. I want you to know God is waiting for you. And he loves you. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to make you come to the front. If that's you, and you say, I want to make it right with him, I just want to pray with you. It's not about joining a church. It's not about going through a rituals of a religion. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. And so I want to pray this prayer with you. If that's you, if the Holy Spirit is drawing your heart, you say, I want to make that decision. You say, I once was close, but now I feel so far. If you want to come back to Jesus, or maybe you never knew him and you want to make that declaration today, I just want to pray with you. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you the words to a prayer. Now, come on, church, we're going to pray this with them. And I can give you the words, but you need to say them and you need to mean them in your own life. So right now, if that's you, let's pray this prayer. Come on, church, say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I repent of my sins and all my mistakes. I accept what you did on the cross, and now I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray over every person here, God. God, that you would empower us with the strength to live this life for you. God, that we would know that we are not alone, but that your spirit rests with us. And Lord, we thank you that you would be our protection, you would be our provision, that Lord, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord would raise up a standard against him. And God, I pray right now for those who have been struggling with depression or fear or anxiety, God, that you have set them free. God, that we take authority over that right now. And that who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and the lives of our church. God, I pray that you would empower us to live bold lives, that we would refocus our lives to focus on you, that we would begin to be light to the darkness, that we would be hope to the hopeless, that we would be the healing you sent out into the world. And Father, as we go, 
And Lord, as we experience your presence and your spirit, one more time we say thank you. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, guys. Can we put our hands together for what God is